Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Your Story Matters Here podcast, a ministry of Dewtill Church in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. My name is Tom Parkinson. I'm the senior pastor at Dewtill Church. And here at Your Story Matters Here, we really believe it. We believe that every individual story is an opportunity for us to see God's fingerprints at work. And so we talk to people from our church and from our community. We hear their stories and we take a look for God's fingerprints. We're so glad you join us. Uh, we release a new episode once a month. And starting this month, we're going to move our release day up one day in the week. We're going to release on the second Wednesday of every month. Be sure to click subscribe and follow on whatever platform you're on so that you can follow along with Your Story Matters here. Today is episode number three, and we're very grateful to have a guest who is no stranger to the people of Dewtill Church. If you worship with us, it doesn't matter what time, it doesn't matter whether it's a regular Sunday service or a special service, you always see this person. Uh, she is always up front, involved in our music. It's our director of music ministry since 2018. Welcome to the Your Story Matters Here podcast, Maureen Kanapka. Hi, everybody. We're glad you're here, Maureen. I have a question. One of the things that you always say in church is that, uh, you know, you're introducing a song and you say, this is one of my favorites. So here's the question everybody wants to know before we get to anything else. Do you actually have a favorite worship song or hymn? I have select favorites, but I would say my absolute favorite hymn is It Is Well With My Soul. Most people will know that because I'll play it from time to time just because I like it. My favorite contemporary song, however, as the band knows, is Fill This Place by Red Rocks Worship. They they know that's my jam. <laughs> it is well with my soul. That's your actual favorite. Hymn. That is my actual favorite. It's also Bud Warner's favorite, so shout out to Bud. Along with 99 others that are one of your favorites. So, <laughs> Well, that is a revelation. And if we cover nothing else, everybody wanted to know that. So. It is true. All right. Well, uh, Maureen, tell us a little bit of your story. You grew up in Dormont, got interested in playing piano when you were just five years old. So tell us a little bit of that story. How'd you get interested in playing the piano? And when did you start to realize that piano wasn't just a hobby, but it was something more in your life? I grew up in a Catholic church and I always saw our organist playing and I thought that was real interesting, even at a young age. So I begged my mother for piano lessons and my mother then begged a bunch of piano teachers most wouldn't take me because I was too young, but we did find uh, Mrs. Mullers way back in the day who would take me at the age of five. And I started piano lessons and I've been playing ever since. Um, hmm. When did I realize? I'm not really sure when I realized my musical gifts or when I realized it was something I would always do. But it was pretty early. I, I really loved piano. Getting me to stop practicing was apparently a real problem in my house, um, <laughs> too much to my father's dismay because it's loud. Pianos are loud. But I would say probably in high school is when I really had the moment where I was like, this is something I'm going to do always. So that's when I started thinking about music education. But really just piano has always been a part of my life. And I've really just enjoyed playing and playing for others, which relates well to what I do in my ministry. So did your parents play music? Is that why you, did you have a family piano? We did have a piano. Actually, my father bought my mother a piano as a wedding gift. And my father took lessons for a very short amount of time from a nun who apparently would slap his knuckles with a ruler. So that was short lived. But then my mother did play for a good amount of time. She actually played occasionally in their church. Um, and she also played violin, I think, a little bit. But they're 
somewhat musical, but not as musical as I am, I would say. Right. You know, I, I think my story is probably like so many parents. I mean, I have a daughter who started playing piano with you. She started lessons with you and she lasted, you know, maybe nine months and yeah. fizzled out. I mean, did you ever have this moment when you were learning to play piano where you wanted to quit? Not because the piano itself was challenging. In high school, I actually dislocated my right thumb in gym class playing volleyball. It reset itself, but it set itself wrong. So for the next couple of months, I had a lot of issues using my hand, which made me debate whether it was something I wanted to continue to do because anybody I saw couldn't really fix my issue. I loved playing, so I kept going, and I ended up going into music school after that. Eventually, I got my hand fixed by a chiropractor who scraped scar tissue out of my my hand because my scar tissue went all the way up to my shoulder. So it was a it was a developing issue, and it it almost stopped me from playing because playing was actually quite difficult. It couldn't use your hand right; you can't play right. So does that still affect you today when you play? No, this this chiropractor solved all of my problems and removed all of the scar tissue, and I have full range of motion in my hand now. I think that's like a free advertisement for chiropracting. He was a very specific chiropractor, and Eric found him, so shout out to Eric, my husband. (laughs) Kudos to Eric for that. You know, that's interesting that you, you talk about that moment of adversity. It makes me wonder, you've been playing piano since you were five, you had that little bit of adversity that you just talked about. In all those years, what do you think is the longest period you've gone without touching a piano? When I was a teacher during the summers, that would actually not play probably most of the summer because I had kids. So running around chasing kids was my main priority, not playing the piano. So I'd say maybe two months would be the longest I've ever gone without touching a piano, but it's been probably 15 years since that happened. <laughs> right. So now you play pretty much every day? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. I think it's a cool thing to find something that you love and stick with it your whole life. Um, You know, life comes in seasons. So sometimes you do things for a season and then you kind of put it away for a while, but then you find those, those few things in life that stick with you all the way. And for you, music and particularly piano has been one. And for those of you that have worshiped with us at Do Till Church, uh, you see Maureen do a wide variety of things but when you hear her sit down at the piano and play, you realize this is her first love. And I, I think that's probably an accurate way to describe it. Yes. Um, if I could have been a professional player, then that would have been my dream. I can't memorize music worth a darn, so that was never going to happen. But I do love to play. It's just a way I like to communicate. So that's really the way I think of it when I play. Well, you talk about being a performer. And, you know, when it comes to music, it's one thing to be a performer who can make excellent music. It's another thing altogether to be able to teach other people how to make music. And what's happened to you is not only are you somebody who's can make music and performs and plays piano, but you became a music educator and you went to school to be a music educator. And even in your church ministry, you continue to be a music educator. So talk to us a bit about uh, what made you decide to blend your love for music with the desire to teach others. That's an interesting one. Um, My organist when I was a kid was the school music teacher, but we didn't really have a ton of music opportunities in the grade school that I went to. It wasn't until high school that I really had a dedicated music teacher that I really loved. Mr. Benoni was, I guess he's now Dr. Benoni. He was just so welcoming and loving 
that it was just something I loved being a part of and I wanted to recreate for others. So as I started to debate where I was going after high school is when I started to think how much music meant to me and that I could, as a musician, go ahead and become a music educator. And that's, I auditioned at IUP and that's where I went after one audition. It was the only place I auditioned. So I really was all in, which was probably a bad idea. <laughs> I, I think it's a fascinating, uh, there's got to be a sociological study on this, right? Because it's true in sports, it's true in music, it's true in, in most forms of art. Sometimes the people who are the most excellent performers are terrible as teachers. Yes. You know, it's like if you play football, the worst person to learn quarterback from is Joe Montana, right? Because he's the Hall of Famer who just does it naturally with natural talent, but he can't teach anybody else to do it. And it seems like there's just a special ingredient or or a special skill set to being to not only able to play well, but to to teach others. And that's something that you've really kind of, I think, made the foundation of your ministry. Yeah, it's appreciating people for what they bring to the table and understanding, especially in music ministry, that the performance probably will not be perfect. And it's really bringing home that we're doing this for a different reason. If you're performing because you're performing, you're doing it because you want it to be perfect for a crowd. In music ministry, we definitely want to perform because we love God and we're trying to deliver a message. And that's very different from a, a public performance that you might pay for, where you expect perfection in the church, you expect us to make mistakes because it's us doing it with our heart. And for us, it means something a lot more. Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about faith and music. I mean, you mentioned that even when you were a little girl in the Catholic church and you saw the organist, I mean, that kind of sparked your interest in music. So tell us a little bit about your own faith journey and how your love of music has influenced and shaped uh, who you are as a person of faith. I've definitely had some ups and downs in my faith. Um, I've always been a devout Catholic all through, mainly until I moved in 2007. So I went to church every weekend with my family, even when I was in college. And then when I moved, um, Catholicism wasn't necessarily a massive force where I moved to. So I struggled to find a place where I felt like I belonged. Eventually, I found a church a couple years later where I really felt like I could be a part of it. And I remember looking at the pianist that was there the one time, and I was like, I could totally do that. And at the time, I wasn't necessarily happy with my teaching position. I worked in a rather rough school district, and I was looking for a way out. And that's when the idea of music ministry really started to creep into my mind. And I started to really debate if it was something I could do instead of being a public school teacher. Mm. You know, it strikes me that there are so many people that find church to be the outlet for a musical gift or a musical calling. There's so many people who um, the, the very first opportunities they had to sing or to play was in a church setting. And it just strikes me that one of the things that the church does is it provides a venue for people with a musical gift to experiment and try things. I mean, can you think of some examples in your own story where you maybe had opportunities in a church setting to either perform or conduct or play that were just you know, maybe first-time opportunities or real growing moments for you? Well, truth be told, I've never picked up a ukulele prior to starting the ukulele ensembles. So coming up with a whole program and directing an ensemble on an instrument that I, at the time, wasn't super familiar with was 
a huge challenge, but it was a fun one because I do, it's, I'm a musician. I like figuring out musical instruments. I'm, I'm fairly natural at picking most of them up. So I find that one to be one of those. Uh, conducting cantatas can always be a uh, challenge, as you know, partaking in the last one. It's a lot to keep track of because you're keeping track of at least two groups of people, choirs and orchestras. But sometimes you also are keeping track of handbells. So being able to wrap your head around three different parts at one time can actually be a really challenging moment, which is, um, it's been fun. Um, I've enjoyed the challenge of trying to work through those moments. Mm. Well, you mentioned things that you've learned as the music ministry has developed, you know, ukulele being one of them. I also know that you're currently learning and continuing your own education. I think a lot of our listeners probably don't know this, but for the last few years, um, in addition to your full-time ministry at Dutil, in addition to being a, a full-time uh, mother and spouse and all the responsibilities that brings, you've also been working on a master's degree in instructional design. So tell us a little bit about that. You know, what what prompted you to enroll in the program? What have you been learning and and why were you inspired to do this? I was inspired to start doing this because when the pandemic hit, I was looking for ways to continue to involve music and make it available for people when they weren't able to go to church. So I started making videos and you can ask poor Jenny Monahan. I'd send her a video almost every day. She probably got tired of my videos, but I really fell in love with the concept of making videos. I would have to write scripts and then I would need to record. I would need to edit. I'd need to upload. So I found that process to be really interesting and something that I enjoyed learning the skills of. So about a year later, I started looking into programs that would allow me to learn more about distance education or e-learning because a lot of the video content is then used for processes like that. So I found the Master of Arts in Education Training and Instructional Technologies program at IUP, and I enrolled in that in July of 2022. Had to think about that one. And it's just, it's taught me a lot about not only teaching, but the difference between teaching adults and teaching children. I've learned a lot of new technologies that I've implemented into a couple of my rehearsals. And I just the other day finished up my summer course, which was on video editing and software. So it's I, I think it's fascinating that you're you're doing this. And I think, you know, it kind of gives people a window. You know, we see so much video content out there today. And the pandemic really accelerated the pace of the creation mm -hmm. of that content. And sometimes people think that stuff just pops out of the sky or, or we come to church on Sunday and we see a choir singing or we hear the handbells playing and, and we almost take for granted, you know, how much uh, expertise and how much preparation goes into that. Maybe give us a little behind the scenes look, you know, what's it like for you on a typical week, you know, when we don't see you up on the chancel, what's it like in a typical week to prepare for weekend worship and all that you're responsible for? I'll try to remember everything I do, but I won't bore you all. Uh, communication is one of those things I do a ton of. There's a lot of Monday emails that happen. Uh, I need to communicate with the band. I need to communicate with E! News. I need to communicate with Matt so that we know what's, on the, what's going on this Sunday. And then throughout the week, I will email ensembles to remind them that we have rehearsal and what we're working on. So I do a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of photocopying involved. There's a lot of schedules. I have to format songs in uh, planning center so that they appear correctly on the screen. I have to highlight handbell music. Of course, I have to practice. Otherwise, you won't get it. 
because <laughs> I need to prepare for both services as well as rehearsals. Uh, I do a lot of creating of content. I make ukulele rehearsal videos that they use for each song as well as writing the music for Boomwhackers. And I write all of the hymn intros that you hear at the 11 o'clock. And then in a normal week, I will run seven different rehearsals that I have to organize and keep track of. So it's it adds up over time. And in addition to that, even though you've been playing piano since you're five, you still have to practice all the piano music every week. Yes. And it tends to be about 15 to 20 songs, depending on what's going on that week. So it can be hard. It can be easy. It's you never know. Each week's a little different. Well, I, I think what happens is you make it look easy. Right. And I think that's what happens uh, in when you prepare well, it looks easy. And so people forget how much preparation it takes to get there yes. and, and to make it happen. So um, we're getting ready. We're in the middle of summer. Uh, of course, at the end of summer, we'll start fall uh, music ministry rehearsals. So tell us, what are you most looking forward to in music ministry this fall at Newtill Church? I'm looking forward to two things. Uh, we're going to start bringing our music ensembles to both worship services. So you're going to see our choir, our handbells, and our ukuleles appear at the contemporary service at 930. So I'm excited for that crowd to see more of what the music ministry actually offers, and hopefully we'll gain a few new members. I'm also excited for the Christmas cantata. That's nothing new to my, my people. However, this one is by a different composer, and it has drama parts. So it's very different than the cantatas we've done over the last four to five years. So I'm looking forward to the change, even though it'll still be joyful and Christmassy. So if somebody wanted to get involved in, in music at Dutil, what would they do? Oh, you have a number of options. You can find me before or after any worship service, because I'm always here. You can talk to any music ministry member. They are happy to answer questions for you as well as direct you to me. You can send me an email and I will con connect with you and give you the information you need to know. Or if you're interested, you can always jump on the church's website on the music ministry page. You should be able to find the schedule for the week as well as the rehearsal schedule or just show up. And that's also fun. I like that. I like a good surprise. So, so how about the person who's maybe interested in getting involved in music ministry, but they really don't feel like they're a good musician. What do you say to that person? Oh, just give it a try. You will fall in love with the people that are in this ministry. They are so dedicated and so loving and so supportive. There's no way that you'll give it a shot and be like, oh, I can't do this. They're, they're absolutely amazing. Well, and I, I think the, the thing that I so appreciate and value about the music ministry you've built here at Dutill is that this is a highly participatory ministry. And anybody who wants to get involved, you always find a role for them. And you always find a way for them to participate. And we want to give God our very best. So we seek to, to promote excellence in our music ministry, but we're not perfectionists. Yep. You know, uh, we, we take the very best that we have to give and we offer it to the Lord as music. Um, but we also try to take the pressure off. We don't have to be professional performers. Yep. So nope, whatever happens is okay with all of us. <laughs> so. Maureen, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your story. Thank you for helping us to, to kind of see how music ministry fuels your soul. And thank you so much for what you do to make music happen here at Do Till Church. We'd love to have you join us at Do Till Church. We do worship every Sunday at 930 and 11 o'clock. You can join us in person at our location in Cranberry Township, or you can worship with us live online at dotillchurch.org. That's it for this edition of Your Story Matters here, but be sure to join us next month as we continue to look for God's fingerprints and the stories of people from our church and community. Until then, pray that the Lord will bless you. Thanks.